mercy. We thank you for your presence here today. I pray for myself that I would speak boldly as I ought to speak. That my tongue would be hooked to the word of God, the written word of God, and to the Holy Spirit. That we get in the flow of the Spirit of God and say just what it is the Spirit of God is saying to us. And that we pray for the people. That they would not be spectators, but they would be participants. That the anointing, the power of God would rest upon them. That they'd hear just exactly what it is the Spirit of God is saying today. So we thank you for it, sir. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter and the 23rd verse. 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter and the 23rd verse. For I received of the Lord, the Apostle Paul speaking by the Spirit of God, says, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. 1 Corinthians 11:23. I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whosoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep, or many die young, or die prematurely. For if we judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Receiving communion here at the end of the service today, and whenever we receive communion, you can go just about a hundred different directions with it. As a minister, you can talk about so many things, and we have over the years, but this morning it just seems good to the Spirit of God to call our attention back to verse 26, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes, till he comes. I want to talk today about the coming of the Lord, the coming of the Lord, titling this message up, up. And away. Up, up, and away. Can you say that? Say up, up, and away. One more time. Up, up, and away. Well, when the Lord comes, that's exactly what's going to happen to us. We're going to go up, up, and away. Amen. Praise God. How many is looking forward to going up, up, and away? Amen. We're going we're gonna to be like Superman. Up, up, and away. Amen. Only better than Superman. Praise God. Up, up, and away. The Lord's coming. I think this is something that Christians all time lose uh, awareness of, which we shouldn't lose awareness of it. We need to be aware that the Lord's coming. The Lord's coming. The Lord's coming. Actually, if you'll be aware and cognizant that He's coming, it'll, it'll help us in living holy before Him. Now, you know as well as I do that if you really believe that you might meet the Lord or that you were going to meet the Lord this afternoon, you'd be repenting and getting yourself just right. Is that correct? How many of you would be getting yourself just, just right? You'd be repenting and, 
and doing everything you could to get yourself right and ready. Uh, if you knew you were going to meet him this afternoon, well, I'll tell you what, it may not happen this afternoon, but I tell you what, he's coming. Amen? I said the Lord is coming. And, and as we partake of the communion, we need to be rem- cognizant and remember and mindful that the Lord's coming. The Bible said, for as oft as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Now, of course, when you talk about the Lord's coming, there's two different and, and separate events that you need to be aware of. There's the rapture of the church, the rapture of the church, and the second coming of Christ. And a lot of times people get those two events confused, but there's a rapture of the church where the church is caught up, up, up and away, up, up into the clouds, up into heaven to be with the Lord. And then approximately seven years after that, approximately seven years after the rapture is where we have the second coming of Jesus. You see, in the rapture, the Lord never sets his feet on, on the earth. He comes in the clouds of the air and we, we're, we're caught up to meet him, see, up, up and away. But at the second coming, he actually sets his mount his uh, feet on the Mount of Olives and there's a great earthquake and so on and so forth. And so... We want to talk about these things today because the Lord is coming. So let's talk about the rapture first of all. Revelation 4 verse 1. Let's go to Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1. Revelation chapter 4 verse 1. Now if you study the book of Revelation at all, you'll see that in chapter 1 it's some introductory things and the Lord appears to John on the Isle of Patmos and so on and so forth. Chapters 2 and 3 of the book of Revelation, Jesus is dealing with the seven churches of Revelation. So you could say that chapters 2 and 3 have to do with the church age, the, the, the church age in which we live in right now. That's what we're living in. We're living in the, what's known as the church age, the age of the church. It's been going on now for approximately 2,000 years. But when you move to Revelation chapter 4 verse 1, an interesting thing happens here. After these things, after these things, Revelation 4 1, after these things, what things? After the church age. When the church age culminates, when the church age is over, after these things, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. That's John on the Isle of Patmos sees this in the spirit, you see, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet. Notice a trumpet. Realize, say trumpet, a trumpet speaking with me, saying, saying what? Come up here. Real loud. Come up here. Say it again. Come up here. And we're talking about up, up and away. Come up here. Come up where? Up to the throne of God. Come up here, up into heaven. And I'll show you things which must take place after this. And John is caught up in into heaven, you see. And then it's interesting. After that, you don't see the earth mentioned again in the book of Revelation until the end of the book. When Jesus comes in the second coming and we come with him, you see. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. But the rapture of the church is the next great event that lay on the scene on the horizon for the church. The rapture. Somebody said, well, pastor, you can't find the word rapture in the Bible. But you may not be able to find that that Greek word, but you can find the event. And it's listed in many places. Rapio means to to be raptured or or, or to be caught up, you see. And uh, so right here we have it where where, where we, we have John being caught up. See, John is a type of the church. 
John is a type of the church. It's interesting if you read the context of it. The Bible says, or John says himself, he says in in chapter 1, he says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. We as Christians, we need to be sure we're walking after, after the Spirit and not after the flesh. I said, we need to be sure we're walking after the Spirit and not after the flesh. He was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Amen. And he was caught up. He was caught up, you see. And so this is indicative of the church being caught up. In the rapture. Now, for more on this, let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13. Now, the the Thessalonians had thought that the rapture had already occurred and they thought they'd missed it. And they were concerned. And so the Apostle Paul, by the Spirit of God, wrote to them. In this letter here, this first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 4, verse 13, he says, I do not want you to be ignorant or unlearned, brethren. I don't want you to be ignorant or unlearned, brethren. See, he's talking to Christians here. Concerning those who have fallen asleep. What does he mean, those who have fallen asleep? That's talking about those who have died. Those who have died. Those who have died. You see, their bodies are in the grave. Now, now follow me in this. It's very simple. Yet I teach on this, and you'll have people that have sat under this for years and years and years still don't get it, and it's just so simple. Now listen carefully. And listen to what it is the Spirit of God saying. It's very simple. When a Christian dies, a Christian now, when they die, their spirit goes to be with the Lord. Is that right? And their body is typically buried in the ground. Is that correct? Here on the earth. Now, is that, now there's nothing hard about that, is, is there? Where is their body? In the grave. Where is their spirit? In heaven with the Lord. And when the Bible talks about falling asleep here, it's talking about those who have died. Their spirit's gone to be with the Lord. Their body's in the grave. I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. How many of you know we have hope because we have Jesus? Is that right? For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. How many of you believe that Jesus died and rose again? I I believe that. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him, God will bring with him those who sleep are those who have already died in who? In Jesus. That just means they were Christians. So what's going to happen here at the rapture of the church? Well, we'll hold on to that, but notice verse 14. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him. Is God going to bring some people with him at the rapture? Yeah. Now, is he bringing their bodies or is he bringing their spirits? Their spirits. Because their bodies are in the grave. Is that right? Now, is there anything hard about that? And where are their spirits? Their spirits in heaven. That's where Jesus is. When he comes back, he's coming and he's bringing those spirits with him. Is that right? Yeah. Now watch this, verse 15. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep or those who have already died. Now watch what's going to happen. For the Lord himself, aren't you glad he's coming himself? Will what? Will descend from heaven with a a shout, with the voice of the... Archangel and with the trumpet of 
God. Didn't John hear a trumpet over there in the book of Revelation? Voice that I heard was like a trumpet saying, come up here. Well, you've got that trumpet seen again right here in First Thessalonians. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God, and the what? The dead in Christ will what? Rise first. The dead in Christ. Those who have already died in Christ. All the way back to, to Adam and Eve. All that whole span from Adam and Eve on down. All who have died in Christ. How would you get saved in the Old Testament? Look forward to Jesus. How do we get saved in the New Testament? Look backward to the cross of Jesus. Is that right? But, but notice here what the Bible says. That the dead in Christ will what? Rise first. So Jesus is going to come back at the rapture of the church. He's coming back. He's going to bring those spirits of all the people that have died in him. From Adam and Eve on down to the present time when he comes back. Those spirits are coming back with him. And the dead in Christ do what? They rise first. What happens? Their bodies who are buried here on the earth are going to be blasted out of the graves. Now, if if that wasn't in the Bible, I'd have trouble believing that. But it's in the Bible. And their bodies are going to be blasted out of the graves. Amen. Well, what if somebody's been cremated? Well, I think God's a big God and he's powerful enough to bring their body back. What do you say? How does it work? I don't have a clue. I just know God's powerful. And what's going to happen? Their bodies are going to be resurrected, if you will. And those bodies are going to be what we'd call glorified bodies. Just like, just like the body Jesus got when he was raised from the dead. Are you with me? And so their bodies are, I'm talking about Christians now who have already died at the rapture of the church. Their bodies are going to be blasted out of the graves, resurrected, however you want to say it. And they're, they're going to be glorified bodies. And guess what? Their spirits who God's bringing with them are going to what? Be reunited with their bodies never ever to die again can you say amen is that wonderful now did you get a hold of that that's simple they go first but but somebody said but 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 but, but what about us well let's read verse 17 then we who are alive and remain we who are alive and remain shall be what shall be what caught up what's the title of this message up up and away we'll glory to god we'll be caught up realize say caught up yeah we'll be caught up together with them with the with who with the with the people who just got raised up we'll be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the lord in the air isn't that wonderful how many of you really, you're crazy to some degree like me, and you, you're crazy enough to believe that? Amen. How many of you know we're not crazy, though, are we? But, you know, you tell that to somebody that does, doesn't, doesn't understand the things of God, I think you're crazy. Is that right? But I'm glad I'm crazy enough to believe the Bible. Amen? Amen. Say caught up. caught up. Yeah, caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. 
And thus shall we always be with the Lord. Therefore, therefore, comfort one another with these words. See, to the Christian that's living on fire for the Lord, this is comforting. Not terrifying. Not something to put you in fear. But something to encourage you. And to comfort you. That Jesus is coming. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up with them to meet the Lord in the air. Amen. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. I mean, there's some of us on this earth. uh, We're going to get to cheat the undertaker. Wouldn't you be glad to cheat the undertaker? How many of you would be glad to cheat the undertaker? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be wonderful? The Bible says, but we're a, over in the book of Hebrews, but, but it's appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. Appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. But evidently there's a group of people that's going to be exempted from what we would call physical death. And that's this group right here. Amen. When could it happen, Pastor? Well, listen, I could, I could stand here for a couple hours and go through all the signs of the times, but I tell you what, all of the signs of the times have come to pass. All of the signs that need to be fulfilled have been fulfilled for Jesus to come in the rapture. All of the prophecies, you know that the Old Testament is filled with prophecies of his first coming. How many of you know he came the first time in Bethlehem? Is that right? But there's more scriptures that have to do with his second coming than with his first. Well, if God got the first coming right in Bethlehem, how many of you know God's going to get the second one right as well? Amen? And and every major sign and every minor sign that needs to be fulfilled for him to come again has been fulfilled. He could come at any moment. I'm ready. Are you? If you're not, you better get ready. We'll be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So what's going to happen to our bodies when the Lord comes? What's going to happen to these physical bodies? Let's just say that we're alive when he comes. What's going to happen? I'm glad you asked. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50. Let's go there quickly. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50. Amen. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, talking to Christians, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. How many of you know our physical bodies, couldn't, we couldn't take the, the glory of heaven. It would consume our physical bodies. Is that right? So our bodies are going to have to be changed into that glorified body. So, so let's just say we're living on the earth when Jesus comes. Now who goes first? The dead in Christ go first, then we who are alive and remain What's going to happen to us? Now notice this, verse 51. I tell you, uh, well, let's finish verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. What does that mean? We shall not all die. But we shall all be what? Changed. In a moment. In the twinkling of an eye. That's really fast. At the last what? At the last, there's that trumpet again. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. Have we just talked about that over in 1 Thessalonians? The dead go first, don't they? They're raised incorruptible. And we who are alive and remain, we're going to be what? We're going to be what? We're going to be changed. How fast is it going to be? In a Moment, twinkling of an eye, faster than I can snap my fingers. Amen? Glory to God. 
For this corruptible must put on incorruption and the mortal must put on immortality. We'll be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. See our spirits. Where's, where's my spirit on the inside of my body? Right? Where is your spirit on the inside of your body? If you're born again, your spirit's ready for heaven, but your physical body couldn't take it. So before, I mean, just going up in the atmosphere, how, how far could you go up in the atmosphere with your physical body and make it? You couldn't make it very far, is that right? So your body has to be what? Changed. Now again, that seems crazy, but it's in the Bible, and I believe the Bible. How about you? How many of you looking forward to that? I'm looking forward to it. The dead in Christ rising first, then we who are alive and remain, being changed in a moment, twinkling of an eye, being caught up to meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. Praise God forevermore. Real loud, say, up, up, and away. How many of you would be glad to go today? Yeah. So one lady was asked that question one time, and she said, well, not today. I just, I just had a brand new house built, and I want to enjoy the house. My goodness, lady, you don't even understand anything about heaven. The worst heaven has outshines anything that the best this earth has. Is that right? Amen. You get a glimpse of glory, you don't want to come back here no more. Amen. Did you hear me? Did you hear me? Yes. Amen. Well, it's coming. It's coming. Yeah, pastor, they've been teaching that for years and years and years and years, and he hasn't come yet. Well, the Bible says to all those that would scoff and make fun and say, well, where is the promise of his coming, that the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, but he's long-suffering. Amen. Not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. But I'm telling you what, the Lord's coming. I said the Lord's coming. I said the Lord's coming. I said the Lord's coming. Amen. Amen, amen. amen. And then when the Lord comes and there's that rapture and we go on into heaven, the Bible talks about a judgment seat of Christ, which we'll come back to in a moment. Judgment seat of Christ. We'll come back to that in a moment, at the end of this message. But after the Christians go to heaven, I wouldn't want to be on this earth one five minutes after the church is gone. Would you? The Bible, Jesus said, we're the light of the world. Once we're taken out, I wouldn't want to be here, would you? Because, you see, once the church is caught up into heaven in the rapture, the Bible talks about a seven-year tribulation period. I said a seven-year tribulation period. Now, I just need to say this to you, that... Probably prior to the rapture of the church. Or maybe just shortly thereafter. I can't really say. But if you study the book of Ezekiel, you see that there's going to be a coming war with Russia. And Russia's going to move on Israel. Did you hear me? And God is going to destroy the Russian army. And just leave a small portion of them alive. The army. Did you hear me? Now did you hear what I just said? Not that we don't like Russian people. We love Russian people. But it it doesn't have to do with what nationality you are. It has to do with... And it won't just be Russia involved. It will be other nations involved moving against Israel. But I'm telling you what. It's a dangerous thing to move against Israel. 
It's a dangerous thing to come against Israel. It's a dangerous thing to ask them to divide their ground up. It's a dangerous thing for the man who sits in the Oval Office to ask them to divide their ground. It's dangerous. God doesn't like it when anybody comes against Israel. God doesn't like it when God, uh, 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 God doesn't like it when anybody would begin to divide their ground up. God doesn't like it. It, it angers him. And there's going to be a vast Russian army that's going to move against Israel. And the Bible says that God will destroy most of that army. You need to be aware of that. Look for that. Somebody said, what about Israel firing on Iran? I tell you what, that's, that, that Mideast area has been a powder keg for a long time. And it's not going to get any better. It's just going to get worse and more tumultuous. Did you hear me? That's why I'm glad that the rapture of the church is going to take place before the tribulation. I believe that it is. Some argue that it isn't, but I believe that it is. Why do I believe that the rapture of the church is going to take place before that seven-year tribulation? Because the Bible says that we should pray that we're, that we're able to escape that. Why would the Bible ask us to pray for that if it wasn't the will of God? The Bible says God has not appointed the Christians to wrath. He will deliver us from the tribulation. Amen. The, the, the coming of the Lord, the rapture of the church is the blessed hope. How could that be a blessed hope if we're going to have to go through the tribulation? Also, after the rapture of the church, the church is not mentioned on earth again until the end of the tribulation. Also, after John is raptured, he, you see 24 elders around the throne. And those 24 elders, are a t 12 of them are a type of the Old Testament saints. 12 of them are a type of the New Testament saints. And so we see that the, the church is in heaven during the tribulation, not upon the earth. Also, during the tribulation, God is dealing with the Jews primarily, not with the church. Also, if the church is not in heaven... During the tribulation period, there are certain events that are going on in heaven that the church, would, 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 the Bible says the church is in on. And if the church isn't in heaven during that seven-year tribulation period, the church would, would miss out on events that the Bible says the church are going to be in on. So we're going to be in heaven. Can you say amen? amen? During the tribulation. Also, the Bible says the Antichrist can't be released until the church is taken out of the way. So I'm glad to say to you, that the church is going to be gone before the tribulation. Can you say amen? amen? And once the church is raptured, the Bible talks about the four horsemen of the apocalypse are going to be released. And that white horse rider is the Antichrist. That white horse rider that you see there in, in, in being released in the early part of the book of Revelation. Some people say that's Jesus, but it's not Jesus. It's a counterfeit Messiah. Did you hear me? And uh, Jesus is not seen on the white horse until the end of the book of Revelation. But the Antichrist will be released. He can't be released until the church is raptured and taken out of the way. The Antichrist will rise up as a peacemaker. And he will win his position of power with smooth talking. 
And he will make a seven-year peace agreement with Israel and the surrounding nations there in the Middle East. He will be accepted as the Jews' Messiah, and he will probably be accepted as the Muslims' Messiah. How many of you know the Muslims are looking for a Messiah too? And the Jews are still looking, as a whole, are still looking for their Messiah. And this false uh, uh, Christ, this Antichrist that rises up, it probably is going to bring appeasement somehow or another because he's going to be acceptable not only to the Jews, but he's going to be acceptable to the Muslims. And, 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 and through smooth talking as a quote-unquote peacemaker, he's going to finally do what hasn't been able to be done for so long, bring peace into the Middle East for a seven-year period. As you study the Word of God... As you study the word of God concerning this Antichrist, there's an argument that can be made that he will likely be a homosexual. That he will likely be a homosexual. Now I want to tell you something and you need to listen to me. I stand here as a man of God under the anointing of the Spirit of God. I say this with all due love and respect. But I'm here today to tell you that I don't care what Barack Obama says sitting in that White House concerning homosexuality. I'm here today to tell you that this book says that homosexuality is not only sin, but it is an abomination. Did you hear me? I said, did you hear just what I said? Did you hear me? Some, sometimes people say, well, yeah, but the president has said it's okay. I don't care what the president says is okay. What does God say is okay? The Bible says we ought to obey God rather than man. The Bible says we ought to pray for the president. We ought to respect the office of the president and, and, and all of that. And, and I do that. But I'm telling you what, when he comes out there and he says that, that, that homosexuality is okay, I'm here today to tell you the Bible says that it's not. And somebody says, well, you're picking on homosexuals. No, I love homosexuals. Jesus loves homosexuals. Jesus died on the cross for homosexuals. And, and, and you know, we talk about homosexuality. What about fornication? What about adultery? What about gossip? What about backbiting? All of it's not good. Say amen, somebody. But I'm telling you what, a lot of times young kids, they get, they get distracted because somebody as powerful as the president says, yeah, well, it's okay. Well, I'm here today as a man of God saying that it's not okay. The word of God says it's not okay. Have I made myself clear? Amen. Now, as the Antichrist rises in power, the Bible talks about 144,000 Jewish evangelists that will be here upon the earth evangelizing during the first part of the tribulation period. You need to understand that once the church is raptured, uh, there's a whole lot of people that are going to be dismayed. Oh, my gosh, where are all my friends? What happened to my friend? They're gone. What ha- you know, what happened to, that? What happened to the, that, that, that Christian friend of mine who took a stand and, and, and decided that he wasn't going to walk in sin or dabble with sin? And, and now he's gone. She's gone. Where did they go? They went to heaven. And there's a lot of people going to be asking questions and, 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 and thinking about, oh my gosh, maybe, maybe everything those Christians said about salvation and everything they said about the rapture, maybe it was right. But, and maybe I should have listened after all. Well, guess what now? You're going to have to go through the first half of the tribulation period. And the Bible says there'll be 144,000 Jewish evangelists going out into the earth. 
spreading the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there'll be a great soul winning campaign going on during the first three and a half years of the tribulation period. How many of you know God is a God of love? He's not a God of hate. He's a God of love. The Bible says God is love. And I tell you what, he always maintains a voice in the earth. Can you say amen? Amen. And these evangelists will be going throughout the earth, spreading the gospel, and many, 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 many will get saved. And at the mid-tribulation point, at three and one-half years of that tribulation, I believe from the scripture that there's going to be another group of people that are going to be raptured and caught up to heaven. Glory to God. And that will be all those that get saved during the first half of the tribulation. I don't know about you, but I'd rather get on the first bus than the second. Amen? How many of you'd rather get that first bus going out than the second? But there's good news. I believe if you miss the first bus, there is another one going out. Don't miss that one. Because if you think the first half of the tribulation is bad, you haven't seen nothing yet. Because you see, right as we move into the, 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 that, that first part of that second three and a half year period, you see, those 144,000 Jewish evangelists, the Bible says they're going to be caught up to, to the throne of God. And then the Bible says there's, there's going to be silence in heaven for about 30 minutes. Now, when I, when I read that years ago, I thought, wow, heaven is a place of praise. Heaven is a place of joy. Heaven is a place where people are saying, glory to God. You go to heaven and you say, glory to God. You're going to have a whole, whole bunch of other people saying, glory to God. Glory to God. Wouldn't it be nice if we could come into the house of God and the pastor get up and say, glory to God. And everybody say, glory to God. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Wouldn't that be wonderful? If people be so stirred up for Jesus that the pastor gets in the pulpit and says, Glory to God. And everybody said, Glory to God. And to Him be all the glory and the praise. Amen. And earth is a, uh, heaven is a place of great praise and excitement and joy. But there's going to be silence. 30 minutes. Why is that? Read it in the Bible. You can see in the book of Revelation. It's because God's wrath is about to be poured out in unprecedented measures. At that time, the the Antichrist stands up in the temple and proclaims himself as God. And he blasphemes the God of Abraham. Notice he will not blaspheme the God of Mohammed. He'll blaspheme the God of Abraham. Why doesn't he blaspheme the God of Mohammed? Because the God of Mohammed is Allah. And Allah is a false God. Allah is not a God. Allah is a demonic power. Can you say amen? And some places in this nation, we're trying to, under the quote-unquote spirit of unity, we're trying to bring Christian churches together with the Muslims. You can't do that. I said you can't do that. I said you can't do that. I said you can't do that. Oh, you're preaching a gospel of hate. No, I'm preaching the gospel of God. We ought to love them. We shouldn't persecute them. But I'm telling you what, we need to win them to Christ. We cannot, we cannot buddy up with the Muslims. We can't buddy up with the Jehovah's Witnesses. We can't buddy up with the Mormons. And I'm here today to tell you as a man of God that Mormonism is not, an, uh, 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 it's not Christian. It is a cult. I said it's a cult. Do you really want a man of God or do you want a pansy? 
What are we going to do in this next election? I don't know. Other than pray and know that God, who sits in the far sides of the north, is in control. And he's the real commander-in-chief. Can you say amen? You, I, I don't like this preaching, pastor. Well, then my God, get saved and get filled with the Holy Ghost and start speaking in tongues. Whoo! Glory to God. Glory to God. I said, you can't meld the Muslims with the Christians. It cannot be done. You cannot do that and walk with God. Can you say Amen. We can buddy up with the Baptists. We can buddy up with the Methodists. We can buddy up with the Lutherans. Why? Because they're following the Jesus of the Bible. But we cannot buddy up with cults. Did you hear me? They came from the church over there some years ago, the Mormon church. They came and said, we want to buddy up with your congregation. And I asked them, I said, "Uh, uh, you don't serve the Jesus of the Bible. They said, well, yes, we do. And then I said, well, let me ask you this. Renounce Joseph Smith. Renounce Moroni. And just uh, adhere to the Jesus of the Bible. And the two ladies that sat in my office with my wife from that church right over there, that Mormon church, they got up and they walked out. And I told them, don't talk to anybody on the way out. Get in your car and leave. Why? Because we can't buddy up with people that don't follow the Jesus of the Bible. Did you hear what I just said? You think that's hard? The Bible says that if they come to your house bringing any other doctrine other than this book, we're not even supposed to, to wish them any goodwill at all. Did you hear me? Oh, people have been so deceived in this land in which we live that... that you see what I'm doing right now? I can tell. I know by the Spirit. Some of you think I'm teaching a gospel of hate. But I'm not. I'm teaching the Word of God. But the, but, but, but the Word of God hasn't been taught in such a way that people know the difference anymore. They think in the name of love that we need to just be accepting of everything. The Bible says you can believe a lie and go to hell. Is that right? We love, I love the Mormons. I love Barack Obama. I love uh, Mitt Romney. I, I love them. I love them. I love them. But I love them enough to tell them the truth of the Word of God. I love the young people that sit in here today enough to tell them, hey, if you've got Muslim friends, love them. You know, don't pay, love them. Love them, love them, love them, love them, love them. But love them enough to end love, tell them the truth. You don't have to go in there and beat them over there. But love them enough to tell them the truth of Jesus. Amen? And I'm not taking any of this back because I, 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 I don't owe you an apology for what I just said. I'll not apologize for it. If you have a problem with it, you need to check up on yourself. I've come from the presence of God. The Antichrist will stand up in the temple. He'll proclaim himself as God. He'll blaspheme the God of Abraham. He'll break his peace agreement. He'll be assassinated, the Bible says. He'll be resurrected by the false prophet who then will institute the mark of the beast. It will go on the right hand or the forehead. If you're here in that day and you've missed that second busload, don't take that mark in your right hand. Don't take that mark in your forehead. Because if you do, the Bible says you're doomed to the lake of fire for eternity. And in that hour, those who are here will have to make a decision to have their heads chopped off or receive that mark. You'd be better off to have your head chopped off than to receive that mark. Did you hear me?
Because if you receive that mark in that hour, the Bible is clear. There is no more salvation for you. But I'm so glad, I'm so glad, I'm so glad that before any of that comes on the scene, we get to go up, 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 up and away. Glory to God. Is that wonderful? Is that wonderful? During the last half of that tribulation, the Bible talks about two witnesses that are going to witness upon the earth. I believe they'll be Enoch and Elijah. And they're going to witness under the power of God. They're going to pick up where the 144,000 Jewish evangelists left off. God maintains a voice in the earth. And those will be men of God. And they will be hated in that hour. I'm here today to tell you that men of God aren't always liked. Men of God aren't always enjoyed. Men of God are, are often persecuted and not spoken well of. But I'm here today to tell you, give me a man of God. I'm looking for a man of God that will stand in the pulpit and unashamedly say, Thus saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And they'll rise up. Enoch, I believe, in Elijah in that hour. And they'll minister under the power of God. And they'll be hated. And eventually, they'll be executed. And they'll lay in the streets of Jerusalem. The Bible said for about three days, give or take. And then the Bible says that they'll be resurrected. They'll stand up on their feet and they'll be caught up into heaven. That's what the Bible says. I tell you what, that's going to cause CNN, NBC, ABC, CBS to, to have a conniption nervous breakdown. But that's fine. I'm looking forward to those witnesses being resurrected and caught up. How about you? Glory to God. Amen. And then the Bible says that the armies of the earth, the Bible says three frog-like demons are going to go out from the, from the devil and from the Antichrist and from the false prophet. And they're going to go out into the four corners of the earth and they're going to cause the armies of the earth to be gather, gathered together to the Middle East, into the valley of Megiddo to meet Almighty God to meet Jesus and his armies for a final showdown. Good versus evil, dark versus light. Once and for all, it's going to go down in the valley of Megiddo. And it's known as the battle of Armageddon. And the armies of the earth will be gathered there. And then all of a sudden, the, the, the eastern sky is going to part. Glory to God forevermore. And there's going to come riding one on a white horse. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And his name is the word of God. And a sharp two-edged sword goes out of his mouth, which is the word of God. And he's going to come back in that hour. And the Bible says that the armies from heaven on white horses come and ride with him. And he's going to come with ten thousands of his saints. That would include you and me if you're born again. Glory to God. And we're going to come back with Jesus. Praise God. And he's going to fight that battle of Armageddon. And he's going to destroy the devil. He's going to destroy the enemy. Christ. He's going to destroy the false prophet. He's going to destroy their armies. The Bible says that in the in, in that valley of Megiddo that the blood is going to run for 200 miles, approximately five feet deep. My God, do the horses bridle. And Jesus is going to set his feet on the Mount of Olives. And it's going to be split. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The Antichrist and false prophet cast into the lake of fire for eternity. Satan locked in the bottomless pit for a thousand years. Glory 
to God. The Bible says he's going to be shut up. Real loud, say the devil going to be shut up. How many of you glad of that? Glory to God. For a thousand years, there's going to be the judgment of the nations. Any one of these events I could take hours on. I'm just giving you the highlights and I can back it all up with scripture. I'm just giving you the highlights today. Judgment of the nations. Then there's going to be the millennial reign of Christ. That's a thousand years where Jesus rules from Jerusalem with a rod of iron. And we get to rule with him. How many of you would like a good assignment from Jesus in, in, in the millennium? How many of you would like a good assignment? How many of you would like to have authority over ten cities? How many of you would like, author- like to have a good assignment? You know how you get a good assignment in that day? By being faithful in this hour. Being faithful to God in this hour. Being faithful to the local church in this hour. So many Christians that I've run into over the years, you know the assignment they're going to get in the millennium? Uh, the Lord is going to have them sweeping the floors. You know why? Because they wouldn't sweep the floors now. He's going to have them sweeping the floors in that hour and in that time. Why? Because they wouldn't, they wouldn't sweep the floors now. I tell you what, be faithful now. Be faithful in this time. Be faithful in this hour. Glory to God. Prove yourself faithful to God and the things of God and the house of God in this hour. And you'll get a good assignment for a thousand years. Just think about it. This time in which we live, if we maxed out our days, it would be 120 years. How many of you know a thousand years is longer than 120? Is that right? So be faithful in this short span that we have now. And it will affect us throughout all eternity. At the end of that thousand years, the Bible says Satan's going to be released from the bottomless pit for a season to go out and deceive. And the Bible says that he's going to deceive so many like the multitudes, sands of the sea. You know, somebody asked me one time, why after a thousand years of Jesus reigning on the earth, the devil's released, the devil's released from that bottomless pit, why is he able to deceive so many People in that hour. I believe it's simple. The same reason he deceives people in this hour. You see, the Bible talks about during the millennium that people will go up to Jerusalem and worship the Lord. One thing God never makes you do, even though he rules with a rod of iron, one thing he never makes you do is he never makes you worship him. The devil will try to make you worship him, but God never does. And in that thousand-year reign, even though, you'll ha- even though you'll have to obey civil law, you won't have to come worship the Lord. And the Bible says that there'll be so many that won't come up and worship the Lord. And when you don't come up to the house of God, when you don't come up to worship the Lord, you set yourself up to be deceived by the devil. There's so many Christians in this hour. They don't come to church on a regular basis. They don't sit themselves under, under the word of God. They don't come to the house of God on a regular basis to worship God. And so they're deceived because they don't hear the teaching of the word of God. And the same will be true during the millennium. So many will not come up to the throne of God to worship. The Bible says they'll not have rain on their land. But also too, when Satan is released to go out and deceive, they'll be deceived. The Bible says in that time when the devil goes out to deceive that a fire will come down from heaven and devour 
those that rebelled against God. And Satan will be cast into the lake of fire where the beast and the false prophet, where the Antichrist and the false prophet are. And they'll be tormented there day and night forever and forever and forever and forever and forever. And for how long is forever? It's forever. Don't ever forget hell is eternal. Did you hear me? I said, did you hear me? There'll be a great white throne judgment. Then there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. This, this one here will be renovated by fire. And then the throne of God will come down. And God will finally make his abode once and for all with man. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death, nor dying, nor pain, nor sorrow. And we'll live here upon this earth forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. How long is forever? It's forever. Upon the new earth in glorified bodies. And finally the will of God will be brought to pass. But so many will miss out on it. So many will miss out on it. Turn with me to Revelation 20, will you? The presence of God is in here today. Spirit of God is in here today. Glory to God. Revelation 20 verse 11. Yes, the will of God will come to pass at last. But there will be so many that miss it. Because before the new heavens and the new earth are instituted. Revelation 20 verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it. From whose face the earth and heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead small and great standing before God. And the books were opened and another book was opened which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their work. See, these are people who said no to Jesus. These are people who said no to Jesus. These are people who said, I don't need Jesus. These are people who said, I'm good enough. I'll stand on my own good works. And they'll be judged in that hour for their own good works by the things which were written in the books. The sea, verse 13, gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades or hell delivered up the dead who were in them. They'll be judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades or hell were cast into the lake of fire, which is known as the second death. And any one not found written in the book of life was cast, where? Into the lake of fire. And they'll burn and be tormented there forever and ever. And I believe, and you see, this, this judgment here is not for Christians. This judgment here is for sinners, for those that turned turned Jesus away, for those who would not repent and ask Jesus into their hearts. That's what this judgment is for. And God will have to turn them in to the lake of fire. And I believe you heard me so boisterous a while ago, but listen to me now. I believe that God, with tears in his eyes, as he turns people away, Those who said, Lord, Lord. Remember Jesus said, not all those who say, Lord, Lord, will be saved, but those who do the will of my Father. There's a lot of people that are going to, that they think they're Christians and they're not. They think they're Christians because they said, Lord. They think they're Christians because they said a prayer, but there's never been any evidence of of, of them getting saved. And and they're going to be turned in to the lake of fire. And I believe when God does that, there'll be weeping. He'll be, I believe, I believe it. I believe he'll be crying. This is not a day that God's looking forward to. I believe that he's with tears in his eyes. How do I know that? Because the Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance, you see. But there's just a lot of people aren't going to do that. 
And I believe with tears in his eyes, he'll say, depart from me into everlasting fire. And I believe it'll be a sad, sad day. But it's coming. It's coming. Go to 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10. Praise God. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10. What we're serving up here today is more important than what Steak and Shake has. Just let Steak and Shake keep today, okay? Just let it, you get to it later, amen? Let the Spirit of God move, amen? I said amen. amen? Glory to God. What about the Christian though? You just talked about the great white throne judgment for sinners. What about the Christian? Oh, well, the Christian's just going to get off easy. Well, I beg to differ. Notice here, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. Notice this is called the judgment seat of Christ. This is a different judgment. This is for you and me as believers. Notice we, Christians, talking about Christians, 2 Corinthians 5, 10, must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether what, good or bad. See, salvation is based on faith in Jesus. That's how we get into heaven. But then we're going to be judged for the things we've done in the body, whether good or bad. And notice verse 11, knowing therefore the what, the what, the what, the what, knowing therefore the what, the terror of the Lord. This is not in conjunction with the great white throne. This is in conjunction with believers. Knowing the terror of the Lord. I believe the judgment seat of Christ, when we stand before as Christians, that judgment seat of Christ, I believe for for many Christians, it's going to be a terrifying event. Because the fire of God is going to judge us to see what our works were made of. It's not a heaven-hell issue. It's a reward issue. Look at 1 Corinthians 3 verse 11. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 11. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 11. As I begin to close this message. But don't unhook. Listen to what the Spirit of God is saying. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 11. For no other foundation... Can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ? That's telling us that we're saved by faith in Christ. But notice, if anyone builds on this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, that's good works, wood, hay, straw, that's bad works. Each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it. What day? The judgment seat of Christ. Because it will be revealed by what? By what? By what? By fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on endures, he will receive a what? A reward. If anyone's work is what? Burned, he will what? Suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through the fire of the judgment seat of Christ. Christian, I'm talking to you today. Listen to me very carefully. We're all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. All of us. That includes you and that includes me. And the Bible says that it's going to be a terrifying event. Because it's at that time that it's going to be between you and Jesus. It's going to be between me and Jesus. And in that hour, in that time, in that moment, he's going to examine, he's going to examine all of us. He's going to examine you. He's going to examine me. And we're going to have to give an account for the things that we've done while here in the body. And there'll be so many in that hour that have been faithful 
and that have been true and that have walked in the light of the word of God that they have and that have endeavored to live holy and have endeavored to live right and walk right. And the Lord will be so pleased in that hour and he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant, and he'll have rewards for you. And it'll be so good and it'll be a time of rejoicing and glory. But yet there'll be other Christians who won't fare as well. The Lord will ask you, why did you do what you did when you did it? Every word, the Bible says, every idle word spoken is going to come up. Everything that you didn't repent of and put away, you know what I mean by that? Everything that you didn't repent of is going to come up there. Every sin, I'm talking to Christians now, every sin that you and I didn't repent of and ask forgiveness of and really put away is going to come up at that time. Oh, it's going to be a terrifying hour. It's going to be a terrifying hour. You know, we talk about the sexual sins and all of that, but I'm going to tell you what, I believe the Lord Jesus is going to be dealing with people's mouths and what they've said. Hmm. Yeah, have they talked in faith or not? Hmm, I bet that comes up. But you know what? I think the Lord is going to be talking to some Christians about the gossiping they've been doing about the backbiting they've been doing, about the things they've been saying that they shouldn't say. That's what I think is going to come up in that hour, as well as many other things. The intent of the heart is going to be judged in that hour. Why did you do what you did when you did it? He, you know what else is going to come up? How you, how you handle the house of God. How you handle the house of God. God, Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. How did you handle the local church? Did you honor the local church or did you ignore it or dishonor it? I believe he's going to talk to Christians in that hour about all of hypocrisy. And you said one thing to somebody's face, but then you said another thing about them behind their back. Oh my God.